This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and Attention Coach Jeff Copper. Our topic, here's the thing about ADHD and emotional self-regulation. Uh, we're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show. Um, and write down the secret word of that show, and then just email me just the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help. Make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, Take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Jan, can you introduce our guest? Jeff, our guest today is clinical psychologist Dr. Sharon Celine. For over 30 years, Dr. Celine has focused her work on kids, young adults, and families living with ADHD, as well as learning differences and mental health challenges. Her unique perspective as a sibling in an ADHD home assists her in guiding families through the confusing maze of diagnoses and conflict to successful interventions and connections. Dr. Celine is an award-winning author, international lecturer, workshop facilitator and regular contributor to Attitude Magazine and Psychology Today. She is also a featured expert on Mass Appeal on WWLP-TV and is a part-time lecturer at the Smith School for Social Work. So Jeff, we're very happy to have Dr. Sharon Celine with us again. Dr. Celine, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. It is a pleasure to be here as always. I'm really excited to talk about our topic. And I'm also happy just to be in conversation with you. It's I always <laughs> learn something when I come to the show. Ditto, ditto. It's um, I always learn something. Actually, I learn a lot, and always there's always you always have a clever way of languaging things sometimes, which is a little bit of what this is all about, everybody. I want to give a little bit of background on this. I've done a lot of shows on emotional self-regulation, and and Sharon had done a TED talk um, for 
Attention Deficit Disorder Association and for ADC Awareness Month, our emotions, and some of the language stuff really struck me, and I wanted to come and share today, and there's a few particular areas we'd like to kind of draw out. So the title of our show is Here's the Thing About ADHD and Emotional Self-Regulation. And I say here's the thing is mm-hmm. it's not a part of the diagnostic criteria, but it's like it's so ADD, it's incredible. I mean, it used to be part of it back before the 70s. They took it out, and I'm, I'm, I, they will bring it back in because the overwhelming evidence is it's there. But it really kind of impacts everything when it comes to attention in one way. It could just hijacks it. Thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is that, you know, what happens in our brains uh, is that the limbic system, which is sort of in the middle of the brain, kind of in like deep in the center, it's where the amygdala is and, you know, we have the hypothalamus and other things. And the what happens is that our sensory perceptions go through the hypothalamus into, and they're they're sort of directed different places. And when there's something that we sense that is distressing to us or frightening to us, essentially what happens is that the amygdala takes over the prefrontal cortex, the thinking brain. So we have the feeling brain now sort of driving the car that is us, and it's erratic. It's not a it's not it's not a, it's not a clear shot with this driver and. Um, you know, active, what's activated is adrenaline, you know, also known as, as cortisol, and uh, epinephrine. So we have a, a sympathetic nervous system response. And in those cases, it, it, it's as if the thinking brain cannot convince the emotional brain to just slow down, get, you know, back up, and let the thinking brain kind of do its job. And and this is particularly true for people who um, – who uh, live with ADHD because one of the things that helps with emotional control is working memory. And many people with ADHD struggle with working memory. And there's been research that shows that people with stronger working memory have better emotional control. Um, now, some people have you know, decent working memory and still struggle with emotional control, and that can be more sort of you know genetic or um, characterological or a result of living in with, you know, being exposed to or living with trauma. Hmm. So uh, I want to ditto what you say and um, we use a little bit different language and I'd like to put you in a little tension exercise in a second. Um, when I'm Excellent. working with clients, I kind of like think of a, think of an emotion as a reflexive reaction. Like we, we have instincts and survival mechanisms. Like when you're threatened with your life, Reflexively, we go to fight, fight, or mm-hmm. freeze, and the thinking brain is really not online. That's why first responders have to do so much training. Like, you know, don't panic. I mean, imagine you're a marine storm in the beach in Normandy, right? You got bullets and stuff going all the place. It's panic central, and that's no time to kind of lose it. And so, I always describe right. it as it's it's this reflexive reaction that we have. It's a survival mechanism that you know was good years ago, but maybe not so much now. And the the, the tie into the thinking part is one of the things that I like to do, and it's kind of funny. I'm I'm coaching a comedian right now, which is kind of cool, but uh, I'd like to do a little simulation with you, Sharon, so other people maybe can – you can imagine you're Sharon here in a second, and you can we can see what this is really all about. So, Sharon, you ready? I'm ready. Make me laugh. Tell me something funny now. Come on. Quick. Tell me. Make me laugh. Come on. Come on. You're not doing um, it. Make me laugh. Make me laugh. Yes. Come on. It's true. I think I find this very hard to do. I mean, you know, I can tell you a joke. I can tell you a little joke. Well, um, so it's funny. With the, the idea but in the, the moment, of- so, so, 
the, the experience for me when with what you were saying is like all of a sudden I felt like, you know, and this is, this is what happens is like, there's no tiger in my living room, in my living room here, but Jeff, you are a tiger. Cause you're, you, you're activated. You, you've activated yep. my nervous system. I'm like, Oh my God, I have to tell him something funny. Oh my goodness. Yep. What is the funny thing? And I, Oh my, well, I'm sort of like, blah, 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 freeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, Exactly. And it's I was like, like, I was it's like you're sort of stuck. Yeah. In that moment. Put pressure on and, you, and making the, you feel feel threatened and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, you're still stuck. And did your mind go blank a couple times? Like several. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I don't know what to tell you on this. And then you keep going <laughs> and you kept going. So one of the things that happens for us in 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 society today, you know, many of us don't live in places where there are, are tigers around, but we ha- we experience a threat. Um, that 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 puts our body in that response, fight, flight, or freeze. In addition, we, we may experience something that's a false alarm. So, like, for example, this wasn't actually really a dangerous situation, but my body responded the way that it did because it was kind of a false alarm, right? Mm-hmm. And And the thing is, most people want, you know, when they come to therapy or they go to coaching, they're like, please get rid of my anxiety. I don't want my anxiety anymore or help me stop getting angry. And you know what I say is like, that is part of how we are wired as human beings. I can't make those things go away. What we want to do is teach you to put your hand on the volume control. Because when you were going at me, Jeff, my volume went from like two Mm -hmm. to about eight or nine. Right, (laughs) And so I'm the one who's in control of bringing that down. I'm also in control of being, you know, if I were perhaps better with my emotional regulation, and those of the, your listeners who follow me know that I'm pretty open, that I struggle with emotional control and time management, um, that, um, you know, I would be able to be like, what is wrong with Jeff? You know, like, Jeff, back uh-huh. off and leave me alone, right? I wish I did that, but that's not what my experience was. And so it's important to honor who we are in response to various triggers. So would I like to be someone who's like, oh, what is, what is this? Yes, I would. Am I working on getting there? Trying. Is it a lifetime process? I think it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because my initial response was sort of like, blah, what is yep. this? Yep. So I, I kind of like what you said, but I, at the same time, I like framing out, like, particularly when you feel threatened. And that's what I was trying to do was put pressure on you and threaten you. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, it's right. two seconds to go in a football game and the kicker runs out. And they just want to do their audit. They practice this. They just want to go out there and do it. And the other team calls time because they want you to think and they want you to they feel the pressure. Is Reflexively, you go into that fight, fight, or freeze. Your brain kind of shuts down. And your brain just can't tell the difference between a real-life threatening event and a perceived life-threatening event. It, it, it just acts the same way. And I actually think it, it seems the same way if an anticipated life-threatening event. Like It's kind of what test anxiety is. You walk in, you can't remember what you were thinking outside the door. But the reason I'm doing this is when you think about a reflex, you're having to override like Mother Nature. I mean, you thousands of years of evolution have gotten you there and so i also frame this out because this is really really pretty difficult um to kind of manage and i think you know one of the things that i was i was realizing in your your ted talk and stuff is that you got to have that realization that you're there because if you don't realize you're in an emotional state there's nothing to do but then you got to come up with the i've got to kind of calm down before you react which is 
it's a millisecond when this happens, but it's ever so ever so important, but also ever so difficult to deal. Do you agree? Yes, I do. But I also want to add something about trauma. So, oh please, most, yeah, yeah, many yeah. people, many people who live with uh, ADHD or learning disability or on the autism spectrum or are twice exceptional have experienced a particular kind of trauma. Um, in terms of being neurodivergent. And, you know, when you have a, a, a sort of uniquely wired brain, we all have uniquely wired brains, but when you have a neurodivergent brain and you live in a neurotypical world where the standards of behavior, of performance, of productivity are based on being neurotypical, the trauma that you experience is this trauma of a thousand little paper cuts every day of ways you're not measuring up or you're missing a social cue or you um, somehow spaced out and you didn't get to write down the important thing in your meeting. Um, and so there's a, a, a lag, a sense of, 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 of you know, just uh, starting to feel bad about yourself. And this starts from a very young age. And what develops is often a kind of hypervigilance. Like when is the next time that something's going to happen that I'm going to miss that I needed? Or when is the next time I'm going to do something and respond reflexively in a way that's um, uh, not really accept accepted by mm -hmm. the other person? Or people mm -hmm. might consider it to be ineffective and, you know, I would dare say even use the word inappropriate um, and this is something that happens for a lot of people who have ADHD and also may struggle with emotional control. Um, but either way, the trauma reaction is one in which um, you will very quickly be, you know, see the tiger even if there's no tiger. You know, like for yep. me, when you were talking to me and going at me that, like going at me with your, what are your questions, you know, um, what kind of came up for me was something kind of personal from my family of origin about how sometimes I was spoken to by one of my parents. And that is the freeze response for me. Mm -hmm. um, it might be something different for someone else. It could be someone like a teacher, you know, yelling at them when they were in seventh grade about something that mistake that they made. So, mm -hmm. so there are always things in our past that affect how we're operating in the present. The, the tool that we want to learn is to differentiate. Like, of course, I know you're not my father, right? And, mm -hmm. and I know that this is a game because you already set it up that way. And so it's easy for me once I'm, you know, sort of activated to come back down to my baseline, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's not a problem. But in other situations, like you get a work email at 10, at 10 p.m. about something that you've done that isn't okay, you're going to be fully activated and in, you know, an amygdala hijack. There's just mm -hmm. no way you're not going to be in that um, situation, or I like to call it an amygdala takeover, because it's, it really just takes over your brain. Yep. And so um, one thing that we know is that when the amygdala kicks into gear, Essentially, it floods the brain and the body with cortisol, which you know, and uh, which adrenaline, um, and um, uh, you know, um, within you know, like somewhere between like four and seven seconds, right? Something very fast. Yep. It takes the body to re to recover from that flooding t at least twenty minutes. Wow. So we're talking about something where you can get 
you triggered so quickly and then need a lot of time to recover because the triggering that's happening is a physiological response. Your muscles tighten, yep. your digestion slows down, so you may feel nauseous or have to go to the bathroom. You may start perspiring to cool you off because you're ready to go run a marathon, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. And you're, you might get a headache. You might clench your jaws. All of these things that the body does in, 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 in preparation for fight or flight. And um, then, you know, when it's just you asking me to play this game, my body has to recover. So in this situation, that was easy to do because I wasn't that far off my baseline uh-huh. for very long. And, you know, it ended. But if you're in a situation where you get, like, you get that email from your boss at 10 p.m., like, you know, you kind of messed up and this report is not acceptable. Like, will you sleep that night? I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, because you'll be you will you will have you know that 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 flood of of epinephrine and your sympathetic nervous system will kick in and you will be super activated because there won't be anything for you to do in that moment to fix it, and yet you're left with this feeling like I'm in danger. Yep. Tell you what, I need to go to a break real quick. We want to come back and pick up where we left off there. This is such a good conversation. Everybody, go check out um, Sharon's website at drsharonsaline.com. That's D-R-S-A-R-O-N-S-A-L-I-N-E.com. Our secret word tonight is thing. Again, our secret word tonight is thing. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with uh, Dr. Sharon Celine. We're having a great conversation about emotions. And I really, before the break, I want to highlight that we're trying to walk through what's kind of going on in the brain to legitimize this and say it's just not an emotion. But mechanically, again, we begin to look at this as survival mechanisms that's been baked into your brain. And when there's a traumatic experience, your body jumps into reaction to, to do this. It takes a while for recovery. And when you're in that heightened sense of awareness, particularly a lot, because there's maybe been some stuff, it kind of cascades and goes on. Um, my understanding is that when you're a threatened state, you know, it's, it's normal for you to have insomnia and stuff as a protection type thing to kind of get you through that. But that has repercussions because you get tired. So this goes on for a period of time that makes this very, very challenging. And a lot of feelings start to kind of come up, which are as we'll talk about a little bit, you know, to me, a feeling is a physical manifestation of emotion a lot of times. And sometimes it's just this feeling we get caught in this loop and it makes it really difficult for people to break out of that. Um, really challenging for some where they can go on, not for just 20 minutes, but sometimes for days is my sense. Is is that is that accurate or am I misunderstanding something? It, it, it can be. So, so, you know, first of all, we want to make sure that we understand that adrenaline and epinephrine, 
are the same thing, and they there there is a you know that they are often considered um, a uh, hormone um, and a neurotransmitter. So that's really kind of interesting. So there's a whole physiological aspect to flooding, um, which um, is actually quite related to that freeze response, right? Mm-hmm. And so. You know, when when you are when a person is triggered and and is having difficulty settling their body, um, what actually works, and I know every listener is going to roll their eyes when they hear me say that, is paying attention to your breathing, because what what that what um, what happens in that fight flight freeze response is we sort of hold our breath, and by holding our breath, we intensify the um, the uh, the 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 sort of um, increase and spread of adrenaline and cortisol, which are different things, through the body. So uh, I think people, there's a con, you know people can be confused like what is adrenaline and what is epinephrine and what is cortisol mm-hmm. and just know that like we're talking about adrenaline and epinephrine are the same and cortisol is something different. It's, it's often called the stress hormone. So um, so so we want to understand that these are both happening. And so if there's a physiological response that's happening in the body, we have to give a physiological response to the body. And mm-hmm. so what you need to do be in before you start, you know, before you're in one of those cycles is to think about what will help you physically calm down. And I don't really personally like the word calm down because I don't know about you, Jeff, but when people tell me to calm down, I'm like, <laughs> don't tell me to calm down. But if people say, you know, like, let's slow things down or we need to settle, I'm like, okay, I can deal with that because I think you're yep. right. We do need to slow things down and I do need to settle. But don't tell me to calm down because when someone tells you to calm down, it's the assumption that, like, they're all calm and they've got it together and you're whacked. And nobody wants to be on the receiving end of being thought of as being whacked. Even if you are just regulated, right? So, um, so I think it's important to really think about the language that we're using, and and to know in advance, like what things help you settle down. So for me, there are different breathing exercises. I might do some yoga. I might take a walk, go for a run, listen to music. You know, play four different, um, you know, meditations on Insight Timer. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever it is. You want to know what that is and put it on your phone. Make a, you know, a list, like how to slow down, list what the things are that you can do. Because when you're activated, you're not going to remember them. They're going yes. to go right out the window. So the, this is the, the big trick is to understand when you're in that state to catch it and then be able to do something about it, which we go back to the little simulation that we had in the middle of it. I was putting pressure on you. It's hard to retrieve these things, which is why um, it's good to have it on you or something like that. Or like I said, first responders, they practice this on a regular basis. I know I have clients that really struggle with this. And sometimes I'll, um, I'll put them in some emotional situations that are simulated for them to practice it. Like, so if you're, and this is, this is being filmed on the heels of the Trump Biden election, but if you're a Trump fan, go watch CNN. If you're a Biden fan, go watch Fox news. And the idea is to go home and practice noticing how irritated you get, just calming (laughs) down in a simulated environment that's not live. So you can kind of maybe find out what works for you just to kind of catch yourself and Mm -hmm. kind of start the down regulating process. So, um, Sharon, one of the things that I also want to kind of talk about is when you're in this state, there's a lot of feelings that are kind of coming up and, to me, 
feelings are often the physical manifestation of emotion, and often when we're feeling, we're jumping to conclusions. Sometimes we're not analyzing what's around us. Like I describe it as I was backpacking one time, and I saw a venomous snake with a bunch of scouts. It's over there, but the next day I'm walking. All of a sudden, I started freaking out on the trail, and I, it took me a while to kind of calm down. And I realized that this, this what I thought was a snake next to the trail was actually a stick. I was feeling threatened, but in that moment, my feelings were actually betraying me. And the idea mm-hmm. is not – some of the feelings are accurate, but sometimes you need to question your feelings in that because I, I could have lost it in that moment. and It was really perilous because it was just a stick. So thoughts on that? Well, yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the point. So we 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 our sensory information, like you saw something that you thought was a venomous snake, mm-hmm. and so then your that message went into the hypothalamus, which was kind of like Grand Central Station, um, mm-hmm. you know, for sensory information and other things in our brain, and it sent a message to your amygdala, snake danger, alert. And so that process happens faster than the cognitive process of looking more closely and seeing that it actually is a snake, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we're sort of biologically struggling here with this quick sensory response versus actually, you know, processing, you know, with our thinking brain our, and our prefrontal cortex what's going on. And the best way that we can you know, sort of access that prefrontal cortex is by slowing the physiological reaction down and then using language to talk to ourselves or talk to someone else. Because when we use language, we have to engage the thinking brain. And so not language when you're you know, super triggered and you're yelling at someone. Mm-hmm. Language like how are you going to reassure yourself? Language such as how you're going to talk to you know, your nine-year-old, that it actually is not a snake. It might be a snake because they might be freaking Uh out. And you're like, look, this looks like a snake. I'm going to bend down. I'm going to touch this stick. I'm going to lift it and show you that it's just a stick. So Mm -hmm. we want to kind of change the cognition. And so a lot of times what happens is that, um, you know, um, I'll just keep going to this, you know, this, this one example. Like you get this email at 10 p.m. from your boss. And what happens is, um, particularly for people with ADHD and um, who struggle with emotional control, it's like your brain gets into a kind of obsessive loop. You know, mm-hmm. oh, my God, I'm going to get fired. Oh, I'm going to get, um, you know, my boss doesn't like me. Um, I'm, I'm going to be removed from this project. I'm going to get a cut in pay. I'm not going to be able to pay my mortgage. My 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 partner will leave me, and I'll be alone and impoverished on the street. Like you mm-hmm. go like from A to Z, right? And this is what keeps us up at night. So what we we have to be able to do is to talk back to that, you know, negative expectation and those worst case scenarios. So this is why we want to think about. What, yes, you have your worst case scenario, like what could go wrong? What do you think that is? But you also have to actively say to yourself, what could go right? Mm-hmm. So this could go bad, but what actually could go right? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe this is just feedback and we're going to have a good conversation about it. Um, in the past, I've had situations like this. They did not go well. What do I want to remember from those that I can apply to this situation? So I'm going in neutral and open eager to hear what they have to say, you know, um, 
if my boss is a hothead, I'm not. I'm gonna, not going to take off, take that on. I'm going to wear my Teflon suit when I go for our meeting, and not be, not absorb that energy, that heat. Yep. So these are things that we want to do. So we want to access language to be able to validate our experience. Like, yep, anybody would be afraid if they got that email at 10 p.m. And to encourage ourselves and to brainstorm ways that we can respond that are more effective than going to Z, you're impoverished and on the streets. So I want to go to a break in a second, but this is sometimes where I think just brainstorming with somebody else, because sometimes I'm not going to react to my boss or I've had some people, you know, can you forgive the other person for their ignorance? For some, that's no big deal. Mm -hmm. Others, that's a different way of looking at the situation where they're, oh, my God, I actually am getting this. This person's just run amok. I'm going to forgive them for ignorance. But there's a lot of of interaction that you can do with just people around you to say, how could I look this a little differently to give you that particular language in order to kind of bring yourself down. So um, let's go to break. Right. And we can talk about that because um, when we come back, because I have a little little method called um, STAR, which I think would be helpful. Okay. Um, Sharon's website, drsharonsaline.com. Our secret word tonight is thing. We'll be right back after these messages. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay. Do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're having a spirited conversation around emotions. Uh, one of the things I hope our listeners are starting to get from this is how hard this is. Um, we're talking to mm-hmm. you explaining this, and I, I constantly tell people, explaining what needs to happen and with, when it comes to emotional suffering is probably the easiest thing that I can articulate and probably – well, not probably – Definitely the most difficult thing for people with ADHD to actually execute. So don't don't think that that we're saying this and it's trivial. You know, it's really simple. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it again. My mom once said, "You know, something's hard to say. It's hard because if not, you're not giving respect it's due." And this is just downright difficult stuff. And you, you, you need to understand that. You need to kind of put the work in some of this. You can talk about this and you can do it once or twice, but sometimes you need a lot of help. Particularly, there's a lot of trauma in your life and a lot of other things, and you've got a, a, a trigger finger or just a, a a bigger trigger and more explosive. So um, that said, before the break, you had uh, uh, some thoughts on, on on this moment where you're trying to language things to kind of bring things back. Want to share that with us? 
so when what we want to do is, you know, I call this, um, I wrote about this in my book, but I've sort of adapted it over time because I think it, what I wrote actually could, needed more now that I, you know, considered it. <laughs> so stop. You want to call a stop. So think of star. Stop. You want to call a stop in the action. So when you are in a situation where you are being actively triggered, you need a pause. And that pause really could be very simple. Like, hey, can I just get back to you in a minute? Or, oops, you know what, listen, I, want to, I need to use the bathroom. I'll be right back. Or I just want to get a drink of water. So any of those things where you basically slow things down so you can get away from the situation and really think about, that's the next thing, think, what is actually happening here? How am I what's happening how am I responding like what's going on in my head what am I what is that negative voice in my head you know mine has a name it's called perfect poindexter I don't know what yours is Jeff but I'm just <laughs> going to ask you and um you know what is like Mr. Poindexter telling me about myself and you know is that accurate and how do I actually want to be responding and acting in this moment instead okay so then the next thing is act you're going to basically, you've, you've thought about what's going on, you've considered what is the next right thing to do, and then you return to the situation and you do it. And then when it's over, you recover. This is not a time for recriminations or judgment or self-criticism. This is a time to actually kind of let things settle down, and, and allow you to get some space from whatever has been triggering for you so that you can then come back and really recon and consider how did I do, how would I like to do, um, what, what lesson can I take from this. So, you know, that's the, that's the STAR process. Stop, think, act, recover. And what is the name of your critical voice, Jeff? Oh, we can't use that language on air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh -huh. okay. Some of my clients have some really choice language when they talk about with the negative yeah. voice. It's um, uh, it's really it's really great. Yeah. Um, it's kind of fun doing what I do. And over the years, I, I I listen to stuff, and and what Sharon's describing is really effective for like a lot of people. But fundamentally, what she's talking about it's it's played out metaphorically in kind of different ways and oversimple. And again, this is oversimplifying. And sometimes I talk to people, the idea here is you got to step out of the emotion for a little bit and look back at it. The difference really is between stepping out of it or inhabiting it. Um, or another way of describing it, you know, you can have an emotion, but you don't have to invite it in for tea to commune with it. There's this demarcation thing that's hard to describe and people have the language differently. But again, the idea is to, to put, to, to make it objective, to get yourself out of it so you can look back at it and then do something with it. And, and, and what you're, she's describing is definitely a way of doing it. I know when I was going through Coaches Training Institute, we were talking about the saboteur. There's a saboteur with anybody. You, you get people to identify mm -hmm. and name it. And like, you know, hey, you know, Sharon, I, I, uh, Sharon like, Darth Vader, can you leave? Go get some eggs because I want to talk to Sharon. And by, by giving a name in the face, it just makes it more objective in order for you to kind of deal with it. And again, I think there's, a, there's all, all kinds of different ways of this happening and whatever works for you. Is what there is. But the point really is if you're not actively engaging and trying to do something about that, emotions can really take over and rule your world and create a lot of, of, a lot of problems in your life. And I want to emphasize a lot of problems of your life if you're not unchecked or if you're not doing stuff because when you're emoting 
you're not always rational and, you know, bad things can really happen. And this can be a challenge. Um, thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is like the part of the problem is it's not, it's not just a challenge in the moment because when you are dysregulated, if you, you, it's like literally the tidal wave experience. I mean, I've had yep. kids tell me this. I've had, uh, you know, emerging adults tell me I've had, you know, elder, elderly adults tell me it's, it's like, I can't manage it. Okay. You know, like I'm 55. You think I would know how to do this, but it, it's it, because of this biological response, which is what we talked about earlier. And, and the thing is that, um, so there's the, I can't control this. I feel bad about myself that I couldn't control it. And then there's the damage that um, sort of control that you need to do after you lost it. You know, yep. and and the way in which people may or may not forgive you, um, you know, if you're if you lose it at a kid, there's a there is a sort of um, a feeling that they get of like it's sort of an emotional abandonment because you're you're basically you're not attuned to them. Um, and uh, and then they feel bad um, about that. They feel a certain kind of abandonment. So it's mm-hmm. very complicated. And, and the important thing that we want to do, the most important thing we want to do is to be kinder to ourselves. Like if we could control this, we would, right? If we could yep. basically say, I'm not going to lose my, my cookies when the X, Y, or Z happens, we would make sure we don't lose our cookies. But it's very difficult to do, and it's especially hard to do if you have ADHD because you, you – because of, of how you're wired and, um, and often this history of trauma that you bring into your daily interactions. Yeah. So what we want to do is to notice um, what the physiological signs are. What are the physical signs that I'm headed off into yep. the Netherlands that I don't want to go to? So, you know, do I feel a tightness in my stomach, do, in my chest? Am I perspiring? Mm-hmm. Am I gritty? Am I, you know, am I, am, I, am I clenching my jaw? Because those are signs for us that, that the red flag is flying up the yep. pole, and we need to take that, um, uh, that, that, that stop, yes, that pause, however so, we want to. In fact, I think you and I have done an episode on like the importance of going to the bathroom when you feel triggered. Yes, yes. <laughs> Go in um, and close the door because everybody understands that that's something you do by yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. So there's all kinds of other areas that we can go into. We don't have time. I know I have coached a lot of people who get very emotional when something's not going their way. They start to control things, and the more they try to control mm-hmm. it, the less control they have, the more dysregulated they get. Um, there's a, We could do a yeah. whole thing with regard to that. There's other people who start to lose it for environmental things that are like triggers, but there's, there's a lot here. But fundamentally, emotional dysregulation, again, is very, very difficult. I want to get on the show to kind of talk about it kind of objectively. If you struggle with it, I encourage you to get somebody to help you with it because, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, like anything else, if you want to come better at something, usually it's better. Like I, I, I said this forever. I, I'm not a big DIY guy. Um, or as I also say, you know, I, I've said this before. I picked, I read two books on how to play guitar, and I picked it up. I couldn't play the damn thing. It wasn't until I got somebody showed me what I was mm-hmm. doing, I got more efficient at, at doing that stuff. And so there's no no shame in getting some help with regard to this. Uh, whether it's it's like a Sharon that can help you. Like 
as a coach, I don't deal with those triggers. And I've had a lot of people like, you need to go have that if I'm going to be kind of effective. Um, also on my side, if you don't mm-hmm. have as much you struggle, certain things like, you know, subjecting yourself to the news where, you know, it's simulated and you can practice these things kind of like an athlete. What works for you depends on where you are on the continuum. And there's some people with ADHD who don't have as much difficulty with as others, but the bottom line is we're individuals, and we hope that we've given you some language and some thoughts and some awareness for you to begin to kind of work with that. So any final thoughts before we close this yeah. out? Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, I agree completely. Like, this is so hard to do. But to expect yourself to do this on your own without a therapist or, you know, a, a coach it is probably a lot to ask, or even being in a group um, can be useful. I, I, I want I want people to leave the feeling like you know what I'm not the only person who struggles with this. There's some biological bases for this, um, and you know I can learn how to manage it. I'm never going to erase it. I'm going to learn how to manage it, and that's the goal that we have, which is how can yes. you manage your emotional triggers more effectively and, and regulate in ways that um, you can feel good about yourself. And yes, even though you've, you've got those tools, sometimes you may still, you know, miss, mess up or yeah. take a misstep. And I want to put this also in context. Um, I manage my high blood pressure. I have a thyroid issue. Yeah. I manage that. People manage their way. Mm-hmm. People, with their, people, everybody's managing something. So don't think that you're the only one out there are doing it just because it's emotional and it's a little bit more intangible. Everybody's managing their lives, mm-hmm. and everybody's got an issue here, there, or yonder. Maybe you're having to manage relationships and or or, or distress or whatever. But just know that it's not just you. Everybody's got their thing to do, and so you got to take an active role in doing that. So, with that, Sharon. A great show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, I'm so, I'm so um, grateful to be able to be here to talk about this critical issue for so many of us. Absolutely. You do such a great job. Everybody, check out Sharon's website at drsharonsaline.com. Our secret word is thing. With that, catch us next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.